0: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call
1: 1-800-858-858. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand
0: oh it's been a debut season to dream of hoops heads it's just I reckon star performer rookie of the year he's been around for a while he loves the sport in New Zealand Justin Nelson he's on the line with us now up early on a very busy day for basketball in Aotearoa Morina Justin how you doing
2: a very good morning I am currently that creepy guy walking the corridors of Sky City trying not to wake people up.
1: Mate, make as much noise, <laughs> knock on the doors, mate. One of the things I used to love when I was staying at hotels was doing the runner, you know, knocking on the doors and waking people up.
2: <laughs> uh, I love it. Hey, I mate, love it. thanks for
1: joining us this morning. Hey, so just tell us, what's led to the turnaround of the Taranaki years, my old team.
2: Oh, look, it's it's a combination of things, and it, it probably goes back Three to four years. It, it's been a work in progress, but you know the league has this competitive balance system, um, which is another you know fancy way of talking about salary caps. But all of that started a few years ago, and uh, it's it's evened the competition out. It really has. It, it's become such a competitive beast between teams who can now financially compete against each other on an even keel and. We're seeing the result of it play out before our very eyes. I mean, who would have thought the Ayers and the Giants go into the Final six starting tonight, rank one and two? It's quite amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the, I thought the well, just so that you know, I thought the Ayers would finish one or two, and I had a breakfast on it with Izzy, and if <laughs> Izzy's listening, he'll, he'll be paying for that. Um, but do you think that's what sort of has made the um, competition so competitive is introducing the salary cap?
2: Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, what has happened is each team has the capability now financially of reaching the capacity of the salary cap. And as a result, uh, the talent spreads. And uh, when the talent spreads, you're going to get a spread of uh, you know competition amongst the teams. And, you know, no longer are we seeing the teams that can pay the most Literally filling the top spots on the ladder and everyone else making up the numbers. I mean, the airs last season, I think, went 2 and 13 or something like that. Sorry, 2 and 15, you know, finished dead last. And now we see them finish top of the table for the first time in 30 years.
0: So they're on the precipice of the finals. And I love how the finals um, system runs, Justin. But just I'm curious around the salary cap stuff. That's all well and good, but you still need administrative staff and these franchises or these clubs. To be able to then get the list and build the list that will be competitive, so like it's quite impressive that the even spread of off court and front office staff has clear, have clearly all done their jobs as well.
2: Yeah, and look, another key thing that the league did a couple of years ago is is they literally made it mandatory for every team to have a full time GM. I mean, so many of these teams for decades had been run literally by uh, volunteers. So even to the extent that the league put money in to some of the teams that needed financial help uh, to get full-time administrators on board. And then, of course, once you get full-time administrators on board and you go out and you get good administrators, the wheel keeps turning and you actually start to become better as a business. So, again, it's been a work in progress. There's been some really good funding and, uh, and financial assistance from the league as it has grown commercially. Uh, it's all been about putting money back into the competition. And again, you know, we're seeing the results of it play out before our eyes.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. Basketball's definitely leading the way, uh, not just on the court, but off the court as well. Uh, Justin, i the you know, tip my hat to you guys. Just in and around, I, I watched a bit of it on telly and been to, been to a game out at the Tuataras and noticed some of the kids coming through, our good kids um, playing, the, the New Zealand kids. How, do, how have they shaped up against all the imports?
2: Yeah, look, it's incredibly exciting. And, and we probably started to see the first part of that back in 2020 when we had that very unique showdown. You know, the, the, the league was the first hub anywhere in the world where uh, some might call it crazy, but we had seven teams move into Sky City for seven weeks and, uh, and and play in that bubble. And we started to see the emergence of the young Kiwi talent really come to the fore Uh, back a few years ago. And some of those kids have gone on and and become regulars in the competition. You know, over in the States, you know, there's something like 120, 130 Kiwi kids, um, young men and women now playing at collegiate level. So I think you're going to continue to see over the next few years, a lot of these young New Zealanders, men and women into the NBL and the To'ihi, come back from collegiate basketball. So the rising talent is only going to get better.
1: What's and, what, and what's the reason by bringing the finals to Auckland?
2: Oh, look, I think it's a combination of things. We get great support up here from uh, from Auckland Unlimited, um, you know, Sky City, and, and all of those partners who have started to uh, really invest in basketball and grow with us. Uh, and it's a it's a great city. I mean, it's 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 a city where people love basketball. Um, there's a lot of participation up here, and. You know, we just certainly hope that they get out and, and come and enjoy four nights of uh, you know what is finals quality basketball, and it starts tonight with a double header. So you pay one price and you get to see two games, and they're two knockout games. So everything's on the line tonight.
0: Oh, it's it's very exciting, and I know that uh, our fearless leader Hachi has um, he's in New Zealand as <laughs> Otago Nuggets, our Otago Nuggets, and they've done so well to qualify third there. That roadblock of teams on twenty points. Um, Izzy's Hawks Bay Hawks, the Auckland Tuatara, the Wellington Saints who are favoured to win it all, and then the Nuggets as well. I'm booked to be heading along on Friday night to the first semi-final, I guess it would be. Um, so I can't wait for that. But let's go through tonight's games. And if anybody wants a more detailed rundown, go to Hoop Heads podcast channel on the SCNZ app and find um the show for the, the lads did from last night. But the Nuggets Hawks, will Hutchie be... You know, getting what he wants, landing in New Zealand, visiting us Kiwis.
2: Well, I knew Hutchie was in town because uh, the uh, the odds on the Nuggets started to come down last night, so <laughs> I knew he was in town. He's out go! Uh, there you go. Look, it'll be it'll be great to catch up with him tonight, and he is he's a big fan of the league, and uh, certainly a huge fan of the Nuggets for obvious reasons. This this is a quality matchup. I, I think there's a lot of people who. Uh, look at the Hawks, who have finished sixth. Of course, it was a four-way tie, believe it or not, uh, between third, fourth, fifth, sixth, which is just unheard of. Uh, so they had to be separated by a mini ladder. And I won't even bore you with the details of what a mini uh, a mini ladder looks like in basketball. But there's a lot of people riding the Hawks. They see the Hawks as a bit of a dark horse. I like the Nuggets. You know, I I I love what they've done uh, with their three imports. You know, Taj McCall. Uh, Went back to the NBA or went over to the NBA for some tryouts mid-season. And they brought in this guy called Trey Boyd. Um, Now, I can tell you I have received the Nuggets team list uh, earlier this morning. And they are at full strength tonight. So Todd Withers is back from injury. Keith Williams, who has flown under the radar, uh, the guy out of the uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats, he uh, is back from uh, illness. So They are at full strength. Sam Timmons is there. Nico McCulloch's there. I love the guard combination of Nico McCulloch and Trey Boyd. I think the Nuggets are a massive chance in that first game. And let's not forget, they finished third on the ladder, so they've had a good season.
1: Have we, are we going to hear a complaint from the Taranaki Ears on the, on the import um, and the roster mate, coming in? Mate, it's all fair
0: with this mate. Don't don't try and do that. The,
1: the Nuggets are paying $1. sixty-five, and
0: the Saints are $1. twenty-two. Now, Despite the Saints' slow start, and, jeez, if they get this done again this year, I mean, they're a famous club, aren't they? But what a season they've had.
2: Yeah, and, and look, I've, I've said uh, in recent weeks that if the Saints win it all this week, uh, and it'll be their 13th championship, mind you, in, in something like 41 years, Is it their greatest ever championship, given where they've come from? Now, in in 2019, they went 20-0. and I mean, that was the old league, and that's how one-sided it was. They went 20-0, and and they won the whole thing. Surely, if they win it this year, it's a better championship win, given the competition's stronger, it's tougher, it's harder to do, you've got salary systems in place, all that sort of stuff. Surely, it's better this season. My only question mark on the Saints... And they played the Tuatara tonight, who they beat by 18 points this time last week, or sorry, last, last Saturday night. Kimby's Tuatara. But they've got a bit of form against... <laughs> they've got a bit of form, the Tuatara. My only question mark on the Saints is in the last eight games, they've gone 7-1. and one. So they've been up and they've been on a tightrope the whole time. Staying on that tightrope in sport... Is incredibly hard to do. You know that there's going to be a letdown at some stage for the Saints and the Saints fans. They'll be hoping there's no letdown this week, but to win it all, they have to win three games in four nights. That's tough.
1: Yeah, no, it's the third game where they'll be let down when they're playing the Taranaki ears <laughs> in the final. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the awards in the bell award winners, mate. You happy with Xavier Cook, uh, Xavier Cook's uh, MVP?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, it was a race in three. It was Xavier Cooks, obviously, from the Saints. It was Javante Douglas from the Ayers, who's just had a brilliant season. And it was Jared West from uh, the Nelson Giants. Uh, I think certainly between Cooks and Javante Douglas, you could could raffle it. Um, I think the final voting, Douglas, came in second and deservedly so. But, uh, yeah, look, Cooks has been outstanding. you, You go and watch this guy play. He just makes it look so effortless. I know through my commentary this year doing a lot of Saints games, I keep saying, you just see the look in his eye. He has this look in his eye, and you know at that exact moment, he is literally saying, give me the ball and get out of my way. And it is so much fun to watch.
1: Just before Louis asks you another question, I'm going to give you my MVP, and it's Aaron Bailey-Knoll. <laughs> of the yeah. Taranaki years yeah. at 41 Still yeah, playing yeah, and yeah. and filling in the gaps for that Taranaki is getting them into the finals. Has to be yeah, close. Look,
2: I, I, yeah, I, I, I love Arnie. Forty-one and announced his retirement before that huge game uh, in New Plymouth last week. out on a Thursday night. I mean, the, the fans. Not, nothing going, else to do in and New no-
0: Plymouth, Justin. Don't don't <laughs> flatter them too much.
2: <laughs> they were going bananas uh, that night. And uh, and Aaron Bailey. And I, look, he'll be hoping that he has another couple of games in him and. I call him the grappler. I think he's the best grappler <laughs> in the cell. He comes from Taranaki, mate. Time. Of course he does.
1: We invented it.
2: <laughs> Anytime any player goes near him, it's going to end up in some sort of grapple as they lock arms and fall to the floor. I, I, I love it. I love the way he goes about it. He's been doing it for so long and just a magnificent guy to have a chat to as well.
0: Oh, you're primed for the call tonight. Uh, so excited to be able to listen in on SCNZ to basketball. Do you know what? I think... I'm taking a guess here, but I reckon, what are we, 2022? I reckon the Breakers commentary stopped on Radio Sport maybe in 15 or 2014. So that's how long we haven't had basketball commentary on the wireless in New Zealand for. And they were amazing. Those commentaries used to be so fun, and it's so great to be able to bring it back on SENZ. And just to clarify, Justin, so it goes two games tonight. Uh, day yep. off tomorrow, is it? Friday? No,
2: no, no, no. So no. So two games tonight. So it's third v sixth, fourth v fifth tonight, and they're straight knockouts. So whoever loses, pack your bags. You've got one night left staying at Sky City. Get out of town. Right? So they're done. Tomorrow night, uh, it's the Giants. Sorry, it's the Ayers. The Ayers playing the lowest ranked loser from tonight's game. So if the Hawks beat the Nuggets, for instance, and and you know, I know you guys are contractually obliged. You're so we don't <laughs> want to talk about that. But um, if that happened, it'd be the Ayers against the uh, Ayers against the Hawks. But the A's play tomorrow night in their semi-final. On Friday night, the Giants play in their semi-final against the highest-ranked winner from tonight. And then Saturday night is the winner of the two semi-finals. So the Ayers... Uh, because they're ranked one, have the absolute best run oh, through to the grand final. They lose. get to play semi final. Can't and
1: lose. On. Get
2: on.
0: They can't lose. Get on. Kimpy will be there tomorrow <laughs> with Kim Capici on the mic,
1: rapping away. Oh, no I doubt.
0: Love it. He, he, you'll be there, Kimpy. There's oh, no excuses sure. now,
1: mate. No, no. I'm actually, I'm actually handing out the trophy. Oh, righto. Justin,
0: <laughs> we've been absolutely honoured to have you on the show this morning. You're a great man. Enjoy the finals. You've laid it out beautifully for us. We're fired up here at uh, S E N Z, so appreciate your time, buddy. Hey,
2: good on you guys.
1: There you go. God, he's a champion, isn't he, Mate, just
0: all the knowledge,
1: all Unbelievable. the fizz. He just he built it up. He's got me excited now. Kiz has offered me a ticket and might have to take it. So,
0: Kez, is Kez,
1: Joe, are you Kiz going
0: tonight? Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. I don't know how, but we're, we'll probably get free tickets from someone. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't mind paying. Obviously, it's worth paying for, but yes, I, I'd rather not. You know, Keith, have you done the uh, rounds around the build at, around these CNZ traps? Mate? I've actually got a bit of breaking news on that, Louis. Just uh, speaking to Justin on the line then, and he's uh, he's hooking it up for Joey Boy and I. So we're, we're <laughs> heading along. we're hitting along, baby. Get on the nuggets! Get up the Nuggets! Get up the Nuggets! Hachi, Hachi, we're coming, mate. Coming. We're there. Izzy and Kimpy for breakfast, right now. I want to know what you would do to get the Warriors out of this uncomfortable position. Chris says I think the Warriors are comfortable finishing outside the top. Pay hey, the only way the teams like the Warriors will change if they are in danger of getting relegated to a second division, which doesn't exist. I actually wonder if the Warriors in New Zealand is the second division. Kimpy, before the show, you were throwing some theories
1: around. Yeah, look I, look, I think, you know, they need a reset, you know, apart from a lot of things that need to happen. I think the first thing that they could do is really build on their culture, culture here in New Zealand and get the young kids to want to be part of the Warriors. They, you know, the young Polynesian boys, uh, you know, they've got this branding around a warrior face on their jersey and, and you know, use Ngati Whātua to... to um, them back into the country when they go, but I don't think they really understand the significance of that. And I think if they built on that, we would build a really good development model. Um, but first and foremost, they need to do that because they don't understand it. They don't understand the significance. They don't understand what it will bring. But after doing that, then I would I would basically reset the team and I would look at these positions one, six, seven, nine, and thirteen. And and I've spent some time yesterday thinking, well, who would I go after? The first person I go after would be. Uh, there'd be two players. I'd go straight to Penrith and I'd go to Fisher-Harris, um, James Fisher-Harris, who's a northern boy, and bring him home and I'd bring try and bring Dylan Edwards back with him uh, who would be on less money. He, he's in that fullback position where they're paid the most, but he's probably the best fullback running around on the least money and I would try and convince him to come back. I would then go to Brandon Smith and I'd tell him that we're building a team around him and try and get him out of his, his Sydney City deal. This Um, by the way, is all for 2024. 24, um, 23 being a season that you'd have to go through. Um, And I would say to Brandon, like, Captain, we're building a team around you. We're looking at bringing Fisher-Harris, Dylan Edwards here in in these positions. But we're also, to fix up your spine, I'm going to go and try and get Nico Hines and Jack Whiten in six and seven. Now, they're not the flashiest players in the competition, but they know how to win. They're competitors, and when you're signing, if you look at the players historically that have filled those positions, when you go, I would I would then release Fenore Blake, I would then release Sean Johnson, um, I would probably let uh, Torhu go if he wanted to, and then I'd look at filling the rest of those spots with local talent, and I'd bring. See, so one of the one of the things that people don't understand here in the country is that middle players are, are bucket with there's bucket loads of them in this country. All right, and and every other NRL comes here and picks those up. So I would build this development model to fill the spots in and around those players.
0: Yeah, but Kimpi, everyone and like I appreciate you yeah, I appreciate the amount of thought you've put into this and I think nobody's gonna argue with you about the talent you've identified. But what people will say is how on earth would you ever convince James Fisher Harris, Brandon Smith to come home to this rabble? While while Cameron George is the CEO and the club has this track record and Mark Robinson's the owner and this is going back to that conversation. The only thing that we the only way to get out is if the club changes ownership
1: hands, because why would those players ever come back yet? Yeah, and you're probably right. And you're probably right, you know, but in twenty twenty four you probably will have a new owner. Right. You know what I mean? I'm seriously, I think I think there is a new owner coming. I do. But like my heart of heart says I think that there's a new owner coming. I think it's probably not what he thought it was. And what I'm seeing play out in the in the in the sector, especially in the Warriors, um, in this decision making is I can get, I can tell you, they've got no idea what they're doing. Seriously, they can phone me, you can you can phone me, but the decision making around this is honestly, it's it's flabberg it's flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted by some of the decisions you make. Why did you let that kid go in the first place? But if you're looking at it, well, I think you know why they let him go, Kimpi. They don't think he's good enough. Look, there's a texter here saying, well, uh, you, I think, Kempe, well, you should think, rethink what you're saying because, we're saw Oso- a Oso- Papa Lee. You're not listening to the point. The point is you had him. You've got to stop releasing them. Got, it's like a, it's like you're going marlin fishing. You've got the biggest marlin on your line and you can, you finally got him and you tag him and release him. Right. Look,
0: I, I hear you loud and clear. I just don't know...
1: A lot, I, I don't
0: because like if you when, if, I think the club needs to change hands. But when a club changes hands, or when a sports franchise's claim changes hands, a reset gets hit that takes a club back five, ten years it, automatically. So the twenty twenty four, and I know I, I don't think you genuinely think this is realistic, right? Well, this under the current structure, this isn't realistic. But it, there's not enough time to change the hand to get these players. But what I think is, who's the next James Fisher Harris? Who's the next Brandon Smith? That's who you need to be targeting, and I kind of think that's where your sentiment. So is. the
1: first, so so the first thing I I'd, I'd done was I'd reviewed like the the like my career, the career of the Warriors, the career of the best teams that have run around, and come up with the the five best positions that teams have been built around. Now people say it's your spine, but I also think it's your mid, one of your middle forwards. Now if you look at Talwar and for instance, when he went to Melbourne. Okay, playing out of that loose forward position. Um, if you look at Kevin Campion when he came to the war Kevin, Kevin Campion, ring in wet, was 94 kilos, played like he was a king, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's more around the position position, and then putting the names in them and then building the development model around it and then continually filling those. So when you're saying, okay, James Fisher-Harris, who's next? But you should be able to walk in a room and say, well, this kid's the next one. Okay, he's coming off and he's going to fill that spot for for James Fisher-Harris. That's called development. And when the time is right, we're going to push him in there and James Fisher-Harris is going to go and finish his career off in England. And but, that's, that's, you're right. That's exactly what I was thinking. That, and on. that's what should happen. But, mate, this is what we should be thinking to get it done under the current environment. I don't think so. And I and I just I sometimes have questioned... Well, I am questioning their decisions a lot. They're not... I think they've taken the expert tad... Tagging the NRL a bit seriously, these fellas, and they need some more help.
0: Hi Louis and Kimpi, if South Africa played rugby league, that'd be bloody hard to beat. I don't why don't the Warriors try to target some young South Africans, Glenn? Glenn, honestly, not even the stupidest thing I've heard in the last six months about the Warriors. Right now, we've been teasing it all morning. He used to be CEO of the club, actually. He was actually a boss of mine, I think, one part, one point of time as well, at NZME. Um, Trevor McEwan,
1: good mate of yours, Kimpi. Apparently, yeah. apparently shreds. And Shreds, yeah, he'd love to hear that too. Oh Trevor the Shredder. <laughs> he's joined, he joins us on the line too to, uh this morning. He's been the everywhere man, Trevor uh McKeown, and he's been kind enough to jo- kind of, uh, enough to join us on the is and Kippy for breakfast. So, um good morning, Trevor. How are you, mate? Have you just hopped out of the water? Um, yeah, um no, I haven't, mate.
3: I was out of PH yesterday, but Got a bit of a thrashing out here as you tend to on the west coast. You know that well, my friend. And uh, and Louis, good to talk to you again, mate. Um, I hope you've improved your work habits from your NZ me days.
1: <laughs> no, uh, he has Trevor. He's here every morning oh, working d- hard. D- d-
0: d- debatable. No, of course I have, Trevor. Great to have you on, mate. Um, gee, there's a lot. There's a lot to go on uh, about at the moment. I guess from your point of view, you've had experience in a few different industries, but especially around sports and media. At the moment, the last wee while, com Games, All Blacks Warriors, How, as a punter, kind of more on the sidelines, how do you kind of consume it all? Do you love it? Do you love following along or do you try to keep away from it?
3: Uh, no, I, I, I love certain aspects of it, Louis. I mean, I'm really intrigued by the business of sport and how how, how sport is evolving and you know, the changes that are now happening in broadcasting and the, and the way that fans now want to engage and consume. Other parts of it, not so much. I, You know, I've... Um, I hate to say it, but I've kind of slowly fallen out of love with rugby, not watching anywhere near as much rugby as I used to watch. Still love my rugby league, um, you know, having my time in Australia, but like uh, my leads my leagues will always be my, my uh, favourite code to watch. So, so I am enjoying the NRL um, and of course there's no shortage of um, controversy. It's like one week it's the Pride thing, this week it's, it's Ricky Stewart, it's uh, incredible how that um competition has thrives on controversy.
1: Yeah, let's let's start to unpack that, Trev. Let's let's start with you falling out of love of, of watching rugby. What what do you think um the NZR are, are up to at the moment as far as, you know, this this media silence that's going on? Yeah,
3: look, that is concerning. I mean um I mean, I've, I've kept an eye on the game, um, uh, Kenby, as a as a fan, a administrator, sports writer, various roles for you know over 50 years now, and and and, and this is not hyperbole when I say this. I, I you know I, I think the game's um, is facing, facing its greatest challenges I've ever seen, and and um, I, I, I I sort of genuinely fear for what the future's going to hold for rugby in, 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 in certain areas, and I think that. At the moment, the discontent around the, um, the coaching and everything that's going on, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I feel that New Zealand rugby have got some major, major issues that just go well beyond the All Blacks. And real courage is needed now to effectively, completely change the way that the team is uh, approached here in terms of competitions, in terms of contracting, there are far bigger problems than Ian Foster, um, put it that way, and, and and they've got to have the courage to take them on. And I'm not sure that I'm necessarily seeing that de- decisiveness and that um, clarity of thought uh, amongst uh, the current administration.
1: Yeah, so so just talk a little bit more about that, Trevor. What what sort of changes are you, are you talking about and, and who needs to make those courageous decisions? Is it the current... Uh, board that's in there, or do we need to see changes at the top before these decisions get made?
3: Well, I think the problem is, uh, I mean, if, I, if you kind of look at it in the first twenty-five year block of professional rugby, Kip, um, so from nineteen ninety-five on with the Super League, but um, forced rugby to go professional, um, there were some things that were done at that time that turned out to be quite inspiring. Simple um, contracting, um, you know, so the rugby union, the national body, contracted the players. And then effectively farm them out to the Super Rugby franchises, um, and and the franchise and the Super Rugby competition was powerful back then. It, it, it actually did achieve tribalism, um, and then they began tinkling with it um, effectively because the All Blacks became the be all the end all. we uh, became a period um, that started probably ten years ago with Super Rugby where it rather rapidly degenerated from being the, the best um, franchise or club competition, however you want to describe it, in the world, clearly the best, um, to just being treated as a, um, a breeding ground for All Blacks and a plaything. So you had um, All Black coaches of the past um, telling uh, super rugby uh, franchises when they could play um, their players, playing them out of position, which obviously this guy playing at fullback. Um, and then we had the whole situation of sabbaticals coming in. So, one year, I mean, it's very hard to create tribalism in a competition when you don't know if your star player is going to be there for next year. Is it going to be off to Japan pocketing some money? Because the rugby union are so paranoid about letting players play for overseas clubs um, that they uh, are trying to let them earn as much money as they can out of New Zealand. But that actually includes them you know, going out of New Zealand. Uh, you know who knows what Patrick uh, uh presence this year, and, and might have, you know would that have made a difference? Um, Blues would they have been able to kick on a, a year later? Um, so the moment they started doing that, they killed off tribalism and, and super rugby, and, and it's just got degenerated massively. Um, so you, you've now got a situation where fans aren't engaged with super rugby because um, it's. For a start, it's not a it's not a 365 uh, days a year uh, product you can interact with. It doesn't have um, uh, things like a draft or something that the, that fans can engage in. Um, effectively, all all Super Rugby fans uh, about eight weeks ago were asked to just bring their engagement, and you know, we'll come back to it in, uh, in late January. folks. we we can't do that, you know.
1: The NRL
3: is a, is a product, it's a it's competition that consumes the fans all year. The Premier League is, the NBA is. Um, we haven't done that with Super Rugby. We've killed off Super Rugby and the, and the result has been that we've killed off young fans coming on board because there's no tribalism. We're now more players, young players, uh, secondary school players playing basketball than playing, than playing rugby. And as for rugby league, don't get me started on that, can't be on be on your camp. where yeah, the pathways are just, uh, absolutely bloody nonsense. Um, and, and the pathway now to rugby league is, um, in this country, a signing for the Storm or the Panthers or, or, or uh, Parramatta. It's not, uh, you know, you stay a million miles away from the Warriors. But, uh, but I'm getting, uh, I digress. Going back to um, to rugby, simple central contract is not working any longer. Um, this obsession with don't let them go overseas, well... You know, um what's the problem with an all blacks wage being paid paid for by too long So the rugby union doesn't have to pay for it. What you know, this 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 rubbish we've been served under Hansen and Henry that, you know, we've got to keep them here and or we lose control. Well, how's it worked out for South Africa? You know, last time I looked, they picked their players from all around the world. Um, you know, and, and they've won the World Cup and they certainly had our measure last weekend and they will again this week, you know. Um there's things we need to get back to fixing super rugby. We need to get back to creating a competition that is like the NRL, um, uh, that runs for much longer, that people engage with that our kids, uh, our teenagers that are in the sport and bond with, present it in a way, um, loosen up things on the players, let the players have their own image rights, let them uh, wear their numbers on their back, let them be an individual, let, you know, let them... Uh, it be like the NBA does, so that we get fan engagement. We're not doing any of that, and I, I think what needs to actually happen here is is the loosening of the um, of uh, the national body's control. Um, uh, you know, get a proper super rugby competition going properly. I mean, it's not. You know, I, I don't understand why we have to be so obsessed with with. Um, with keeping the players in New Zealand. Um, those days are gone. It served us well for a period of time. It's not serving us well now. We need to loosen those streets. We need to change. I, I, I don't know. If I was sober late, like I'd be looking at this and going, mm, what are we bought into here? Because, but does the rugby union have the courage to do that? Um, I'm not sure that they do. Um, and that's just one of their problems, you know, before we even get on to the whole concussion thing, which we should discuss it mm. at some point. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't know that, uh, you know, like I said, the is kind of only, almost the least of their problems. There's, there's the whole thing that needs to be turned on its head.
1: Yeah, look, I, like I get that and love the love the way that you've put that out there, especially around this the central model of, of control, Uh, Trevor we we see that I think uh, probably part of their own success is having administrators now that are saying that they basically know best because they've been the best for so long and been found out at the moment let's change tack here and go to the Warriors Trevor you've you've worked in there you've been the CEO and I know that you're a mad um, league man what do you take around what's going on at the Warriors at the moment. you know, Here we are losing another good young talent locally, and we know about the development model stuff here in the, in the country. Um, but what do you make of all the changes in, in the year that the Warriors had so far? We've Matt Lodge has packed up and not come back to, to New Zealand. We've had you and can say the same thing. We've lost the head coach. Stasis picked that up. We've hired, rehired two assistant coaches and now we're looking at losing our, our, our talent. Something seems to happen every week. What's your take on it?
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a concern. We just seem to be scrambling around. It, it, it appears from the outside to be very ad hoc, can um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's a tough... I mean, you've been in there. You, you know that um, the Warriors were up against it from day one, and in my view, they... We never really had the, had the correct donor, and that's been one of the, the challenges as to, you know, people say to me, why, why couldn't we be, be like Melbourne? Well, you know, you take News Limited as your funder, with all the grunt and power and whatnot, including sitting you know, on salary cap for a few years. Um, you know, we haven't had the right owner, that's a problem. Um, our pathways are probably the worst they've ever had, and I think that's the main thing that concerns me Tim, you know. I'd say back in your day, um, and certainly back in my day, late 90s, you could still persuade the up-and-coming um, young players to come to the Warriors. And, and I think of the, you know, the, the great platform that Mark Graham laid for Daniel Anderson and signing players like Chris and Torpy, um, uh, Francis Miller, Henry fafi uh, uh Paul Takahira, Sontayn Harpy. Uh, the list goes on, as well as uh, giving... Uh, first grade experience uh, regularly to the Montevideo and to the, GCC, to the Um and even in, in, in your time I think you would agree that if you, if you were a good young kid coming through at Odohoo or or, uh, or one of the other clubs um, and you went and knocked on your door you could get them to come to the Warriors that's changed now um, um, and that concerns me because right throughout history we've only ever been able to get Australian, with the great Australian players, with the greatest respect to them, we've had some absolute beauties. um Kieran Campion, um, Jason Heath, um some of these players, but they tended to be, they're not the superstars, so that hasn't changed, we're still giving in some really good Australian players, and, you know, you look at Josh Cohen and some of the others, But. But the fact that so many of the players now, young players coming through, are just they won't go near the Warriors. Um, you know, they, they, you, you've you've been you've run correctly for some time now that there's um, two to three hundred young um, teenagers departing New Zealand um, and, 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 and heading over to the, the to either the rugby school nurseries over there, like Keeper Park on the Gold Coast, or, or going to proven development clubs like the Storm, Parramatta, Penra. And that's really now the the, um, the, the the pathway. So that concerns me, I think, and that uh, allied with the fact that the team's changed so dramatically now, can you? know, like, not just for the Warriors, you know, like, to, to see players just flipping from club to club during the season, whether it's Matt Lodge, Cody Nicarima, um, uh, uh, the West Tigers guys, um it grates on me of watching it as a fan and, and the fact that, you know, it used to be that you signed a guy for three years, he was do for three years, regardless of whether he performed or didn't perform, I about those contracts and I, I think the fans judging from what I'm reading on social media comments, that's become a real issue is that I mean the team next year is, you know, might just being a passing resilience to this one in terms of the amount of people going in and out the, the exit door, but it's like that, that, that exit door stays open all season. You, you don't get to bond with the players, you don't get to um you know, as a team to really um feel that they're committed here and whatnot. And I, I think that's the biggest problem is is um yeah, and plus plus the fact that we're not developing the, the you know, the of this world and Papahouis, and then we're seeing them go, go across to Parramatta. And you know, I think uh, you know, the storm will do, a, will do a great job with the with, with young Jatoa. Um and that will just rub it in. And mm. I think that's, that's the challenge. Plus, I also think that, too, um, it used to be possible in know, NRL that you could be wooden spooner one year and in the top four the next. Um, I, I there's a concern for me that we're developing the haves and have-nots in the, um, in, in the NRL. And despite the salary cap and, and all that type of thing, you know there are, there are four clubs that are always going to be there in the top eight every year. You know that. And you're now emerging a bottom layer of three or four clubs. Um, Gold Coast, Newcastle, the Warriors, um, you know, the potentially the Bulldogs, although they're starting to show some signs. Um, and, and it's almost like you can predict yearly they're gonna be down around the, the, the foot of the table. But it's yeah. and that's despite a comp having, you know, a lot of equalising factors. Um, you know, do we need a draft? I don't know, I think the NRL have going to wake up um to um fixing the game in New Zealand because they they have a stated public puppet, publicly stated plan to tap into the Polynesian um and Papiha um, uh, playing base here and, and, and to trying to you know Get rugby wallets down and win the affection of fans, and, and that's all quite possible. But not if they don't start looking at how, how do you fix the warriors permanently? How do you remove those barriers that are going to continue to make them a a bottom four club on a regular basis? Because if that happens, um, uh, they don't know Yeah, that's
1: right. That's right, Trev. Hey, um. I like the NRL stuff. Like the the, at the forefront is the NRL. I think before anything changes, the NRL need to do something drastically to keep our talent here in New Zealand. Thanks for joining us this morning, Trevon SCNZ. Um, Great to talk to you. Good good knowledge about rugby, especially what NZR need to do and the central contracting. And we know at the Warriors, mate, that there's some big issues there that we need to sort out. Hopefully, they can sort it out, mate. Jump in that water, go and get some waves. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you
0: out at Maribyrnong. (laughs)
1: Love it, mate. See you there.
0: True for the shooter. True for McEwen. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications.
1: For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.